In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The unseen world is teeming with life, with cherubim and seraphim, with angels and archangels, and with the saints in light and the great cloud of witnesses. Tragically, the world beyond our senses is not limited to those creatures who love and serve God. There are also demons and the Satan who have rebelled against God's rule and bring harm to God's creation and to us. Over the past few weeks, we've heard a lot about demons, and we will continue to hear about them as we work our way through the Gospel of Mark. The demonic powers surface again and again in Mark, and his Gospel contains four accounts of exorcisms. Jesus, for Mark, is a divine warrior wrestling humanity back from Satan's grip. Jesus' ministry is dotted with apocalyptic skirmishes with the evil one. Mark's gospel begins with a confrontation between Jesus and Satan in the desert. And last week we heard about the raving demoniac whom Jesus exercised in the synagogue. Our reading this morning picks up after Jesus leaves the synagogue and the astonished onlookers who are amazed by his authority. Jesus then enters Simon's home on the shores of Galilee and heals Simon's mother-in-law, who is in bed with a fever. This, we soon learn, was going to be the first of many healings in the small fishing village of Capernaum. At even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. We learn that Jesus cast out many devils that night. Initially, I was moved by what seemed to be a particularly beautiful scene from Jesus' ministry. As dusk gave way to night that evening, I imagined the soft lamplight from Simon's house surrounding Jesus as he stood in the doorway. I could almost see the dejected faces of the diseased turn to joy as they came before the great physician. As a lighthouse guides weary sailors into the harbor, I imagined Jesus drawing the broken and the diseased into the safety of his healing embrace. Now I wonder if the scene wasn't a bit more chaotic than I first imagined. It wasn't only the disease that Jesus healed late into the night, it was also the possessed. I wonder if the scene was more like wild animals inching closer to a bright fire on a dark night, both drawn to the fire but also repulsed by it. If the many exorcisms Jesus performed that night resembled at all the one he had just done in the synagogue, 
with all the shrieks and convulsions, then the scene unfolding at Simon's doorstep may have looked more like a battlefield with bodies strewn about in various states of recovery. Jesus was both the warrior and the medic. Now some of you may be telling yourselves how glad you are that we have progressed beyond the belief in demons. You may be happy that modern Western Christians have pared down and flattened the complicated spiritual reality that the ancients had to contend with. Of course, this flattened spiritual reality runs counter to the witness of Holy Scripture. Jesus, the divine Son, fought with demons and was ministered to by angels. Scripture is replete with visitations from the spiritual world. We cannot go through Scripture and weed out those things that seem strange to us, and we do so at our own peril. In his famous book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis explains how the demonic thrives during times of disbelief. He says that the servants of the evil one are more effective in a world that doesn't believe they exist. Lewis's book also helps us better understand how demons work and the way they involve themselves in even our most mundane interchanges and fleeting thoughts. The goal of all demonic activity is self-preoccupation, which results in the fracturing of human relationships and our relationship with God. The Screwtape Letters does not describe the condition of demonic possession, which is exceedingly rare, but rather demonic influence, which we are all subject to. Demons specialize in taking what is good and twisting it. Let's say that you've become successful in business or climbed the ladder at your law firm or excelled in the academic world. The success that you have experienced is good and a gift from God. God enjoys seeing his creatures thrive and flourish. What demons do is to twist that good and convince you that you somehow deserve the success you have received, that you have caused it. You may tell yourself that you have put in the hours and know how to really work hard and others don't. These words may never come to the forefront of your mind, but they express themselves in how you treat others. The process of enthroning ourselves is often gradual and subconscious. We may not even realize the internal hierarchy we have created. It may only reveal itself in our subtle judgment, resentment, and condescension towards those around us. In the Catholic Church, where the sacrament of confession is regularly practiced, it has been reported that four out of five men confess to sexual sin, often involving pornography. This is a kind of sin that often goes unspoken about, and yet this sin ruins marriages, it corrupts children, it sickens souls. The devil takes what is good and makes it evil. And he has done this with sex. He takes a beautiful and God-given desire and warps it into self-seeking fetishism and a never-ending pursuit of personal satisfaction. 
He takes what is about two people who symbolize Christ and his church, and he makes it about one. The devil wants you to be alone. He wants you to live perpetually in your head with your own thoughts and desires. He will use any means necessary to bring this about. Demons work all the harder on those who have made the right choices in life. The devil spends just as much time working to manipulate those who have avoided life's major moral pitfalls and whom society would readily regard as good people. Of course, it's a great blessing to be spared the hardship and complexity that results from a serious moral failure. But the devil twists this blessing and begins to make it about you. He introduces the idea of willpower, and that you have been spared life's difficulties because your strong will and commitment to God. You gradually begin to think that your strong will is innate to you and something you possess and have worked hard to develop. The idea that your strong will is a gift from God begins to fade, and you start to see your happy, stable life as something you deserve. You begin to see those who have difficult lives as somehow morally deficient and lacking willpower. This is pride. This is the devil's most effective tool. We are all under constant assault by an enemy that wants to lead us from God and into nothingness. This is the reality, but we must be careful. Lewis wisely cautions us against an obsession with the unseen powers of evil. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. The reason we don't need to obsess about the devil and demons is because we have someone more powerful on our side. We must never forget that the power of God is greater than evil, which our gospel passage puts on clear display. We are under constant assault, but we have been given a shield and a breastplate, and when we fall, the great physician will heal our wounds and lift us back on our feet. Just as Jesus stood in Simon's doorway late into the evening, he is eagerly ready to help all those who call upon his most holy name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.